98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. The chairman of the NPC hails the strengthening of constitutional order in Hong Kong thanks to Beijing's electoral revamp. The head of a mainland medical team says the SAR must prioritize helping the most vulnerable COVID patients. And the UN's humanitarian chief pleads for civilians to be given safe passage out of Ukraine's cities. But Russia blames the Ukrainians. The chairman of the National People's Congress, Li Shanchu, says... Constitutional order in Hong Kong has been strengthened to ensure that the central government can exercise its overall jurisdiction in the SAR. Mr. Lee was referring to last year's overhaul of the electoral system, which he said suited the realities of Hong Kong and its legal system. He spoke through an interpreter as he delivered his work report to the national legislature. For the new election law, make sure that the patriots governing Hong Kong and it fundamentally promoted that uh, Hong Kong SAR's governance can be based on the general implementation of the policy of one country, two systems. And it has initially a new phase of our support for long-term prosperity and stability in Hong Kong and for Hong Kong's integration into China's overall development. A senior mainland health official, Liang Wanyan, says Hong Kong needs to prioritize those at most severe of most risk of severe COVID as the SAR attempts to reduce deaths. Vicky Wong has details. In an interview of the Xinhua News Agency, the expert from the National Health Commission says the SAR needs to focus medical resources on reducing deaths as well as infections and severe cases. He said Hong Kong should leverage the mainland's experience in assessing which patients are most likely to get severely ill so they can be treated by top-level doctors at designated hospitals. Dr Liang, who is leading a mainland team supporting the fight against the pandemic in Hong Kong, said the SAR should work to cut chains of transmission and identify sources of infection as it pursues a dynamic zero-infection approach. However, Xinhua reported Dr Liang's view that the highly transmissible Omicron variant means it's unfeasible to pursue zero infections. Hong Kong people have been making use of a new self-reporting platform for COVID-19 self-tests. Three hours after it went online at six last night, the platform showed a queuing number of more than 240,000. IT expert Francis Fong from the Information Technology Federation said the site appeared to be working smoothly, and he was able to log on in only five to ten minutes. He said there were issues with verifying information, but the website is good, given how quickly it was created. It's uh, pretty easy and straightforward. The only thing I actually think is about there are more things that can do control and checking. For example, how to identify whether the one room report is actually the one, the uh, ID card, is it real, etc., etc. But I think in lieu of a short time, so I think they only can do it at this moment, and I hope they will actually change it better. An NGO working with child victims of sexual abuse has called on the government to devote more resources to providing long-term support to abuse victims. Rain Lilly made the request as it revealed it's seen an increase in requests for help during the pandemic at a time when COVID restrictions limit the channels for victims to seek assistance and left many feeling isolated. Albert Yao is its research officer. 
many of the survivors, they tend to delay seek help from outside, from other organizations that provide the support service to victims, right? Learning from the experience from our survivors, actually recovery or seeking help is not a one-off process or one-off decisions. It's not a short-term process. It's a long-term one. So recovery is somehow a lifelong process. I think Besides to focus more or to devote more resources on to provide crisis intervention service at this moment, we also have to devote more resources to develop a more long-term handling support service to them. Turning overseas, the United Nations Head of Humanitarian Affairs has made an emotional plea for civilians in Ukraine to be spared. Speaking at an emergency meeting of the Security Council in New York, Martin Griffiths said there have been 11 days of violence, fear and pain. Do I need to describe what we have all seen and heard on the news? Simply put, millions of lives shattered. People can't stay home with shops shut, power and water cut, shells falling, phones switched off. They can't find what they need, even if they have money to pay for it. And as we have seen, even as the TV cameras roll, many can't flee in safety either in this conflict. Mr. Griffiths called for civilians to be allowed safe passage out of areas under Russian attack on a voluntary basis and in any direction they choose. At the same meeting, Vasily Nebenzia, Moscow's UN ambassador, insisted it was not Russian forces that were preventing civilians from leaving Ukrainian cities. The permanent representative of the United States today accused Russia of not complying with our commitments to create safe humanitarian corridors. Let's sort this out. We once again wish to emphasize that the danger for civilians in Ukraine is not the Russian military, because we're not bombarding them, but rather Ukrainian radicals and neo-Nazis who are holding whole towns and cities hostage and are using citizens as human shields. Russia has warned that the price of oil could hit 300 U.S. dollars a barrel if the West goes ahead with an oil embargo against Moscow. The Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has urged Western powers to ban imports of Russian oil. If the invasion continues and Russia has not abandoned its plans against Ukraine, then we need a new sanctions package. New sanctions, new sanctions, moves against war for peace a boycott of Russian exports, in particular the rejection of oil and oil products from Russia. It can be called an embargo or just morality when you refuse to give money to a terrorist. Meanwhile, Russia Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak said such a move would have catastrophic consequences for the world. U.S. defense officials say Russia is recruiting Syrians and other foreign fighters to join its attack on Ukraine. The Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said they did not yet have detailed knowledge of the matter. We do believe that the, the accounts of them, the Russians uh, seeking uh, Syrian fighters to, to augment their forces in Ukraine, we, uh, we believe there's truth to that. So it's interesting that, uh, that Mr. Putin would have to find himself relying on foreign fighters here. Who they are going to be, how many they're getting, what they're going to pay them, all of that we don't have perfect visibility on. On the diplomatic front, the Turkish foreign minister Mevlut Cavusoglu says his Russian and Ukrainian counterparts Sergei Lavrov and Dmitry Kuliba will meet later this week in Turkey. Both ministers asked me to particularly take part in this meeting as a three-way meeting. Therefore, on Thursday, we'll hold this meeting in Antalya. We hope it'll be a milestone and an important step towards peace and stability. 
In Belarus, however, a third round of talks between Ukrainian and Russian delegations has broken up. A major study of vaccine side effects in the United States published in the medical journal The Lancet could find no link between two COVID jabs and the number of deaths reported shortly after people are vaccinated. The BBC's Jim Reid explains. This large study by the Centers for Disease Control looked at adverse events from nearly 300 million vaccine doses given up to last June in the US. 92% of reported side effects after the Pfizer and Moderna jabs were mild, such as a headache or fever, and cleared up within two days. There were, though, around 22,000 reports of a more severe reaction, such as shortness of breath. Around 4,500 people in the US died shortly after taking one of the two COVID vaccines, but the researchers said they could find no unusual patterns in the data that might suggest a link to the vaccine itself. British scientists say they have identified 16 new genetic variants in COVID DNA. This helps their understanding of why some infected people are predisposed to severe illness and others go symptom-free. Some of the variants relate to blood clotting, immune response, and severe inflammation. Researchers in Britain and Germany say the Amazon rainforest is becoming less resilient, increasing the risk of permanent loss of vegetation. The study shows that resilience to extremes such as drought has declined in more than three-quarters of the rainforest since the turn of the century. The BBC's Helen Briggs has this report. The researchers say the Amazon could soon reach a tipping point, the crossing of which would trigger a widespread die-off of trees, turning tropical forest into savanna and releasing large amounts of greenhouse gas emissions into the air. And while it's not clear when that critical point might be reached, there would be major repercussions for climate change, biodiversity and local livelihoods. Experts say the study highlights the urgency for policymakers and the public to protect and restore this globally important ecosystem before it's too late. In financial news, the head of the Retail Management Association says she doesn't expect a $10,000 per person consumption voucher to revive sales in the SAR. Annie Yaoti says retail sales statistics from last year suggest a similar handout had a limited effect. She says she expects sales to contract for the first half of this year, despite the expected arrival of the first vouchers next month. It will be a stimulus for a while, but overall it doesn't really stimulate major growth. Look at last year's full year numbers or even just the second half. You don't really see spectacular growth when you spread the figures out. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 20,961. That's 95 points down on the previous close. In currencies, a short time ago, the U.S. dollar will buy you 115.4 yen. The euro stood at 1 U.S. dollar and 9 cents. And the pound was worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 26 cents. To sport, and we start with football. Tottenham have moved on to within three points of the Premier League's top four with a resounding 5-0 win over struggling Everton. Former player Chris Sutton was part of the commentary team for the BBC. Everton were, were far too passive, but credit Tottenham. I, th- I thought Son, who hasn't been in great form of late, those runs he made caused Everton all sorts of problems. Having said that, and I said at half-time, the first two goals Everton conceded were absolutely shocking. Individual errors, they never looked like they were going to get back in the game, and Tottenham exploited them time and time again. I thought Kulachevsky was was absolutely brilliant for Spurs, but it was all far too easy. But, of course, I mean, Spurs will be delighted uh, with this result. And, and now, you know, you look up the table and... 
and they still have hope of a, 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 a top four finish. Everton are one point above the relegation zone in 17th. In the FA Cup, Nottingham Forest have won a battle between two second-tier sides in the fifth round. They came from behind to defeat Huddersfield Town 2-1 at City Ground Forest. Uh, City Ground Forest will host Liverpool in the quarterfinals. Scotland and Ukraine's World Cup playoff semifinal has been postponed. They were due to meet at Hampton on the 24th of this month, but Ukraine requested a postponement to FIFA following Russia's invasion. The winner was due to face Wales or Austria in the playoff final on the 29th of March, but that tie will now also be pushed back. Cricket and the wider sporting world is still trying to come to terms with the death of Shane Warne from a heart attack at the age of 52 last Friday. He was in Thailand at the time, and the authorities there have now confirmed that he died of natural causes. Wayne's former Australian teammate, Brett Lee, has been speaking to the BBC. I was staying at my parents' house when I found out. It was about 1.13am, and my father summed it up the next morning. I said to Dad when he came downstairs, I said, Warnie's died. He said, Shane Warnie can't die. It's, it, it's Warnie. That's the feeling that's that's happening over here, mate, over in Australia. We just cannot believe it. Everyone knows he took 708 test wickets and he played 145 tests. The cricket purists know that. But when you're right down, born 13th of September 1969, died 4th of March 2022, it's like, it, it's not right. I really hope this is a bad dream. It's not, obviously, but that's that's the way we all feel. American football, the NFL has suspended Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Kevin Ridley for at least the 2022 season for betting on NFL games during last season. The league says the betting took place during a five-day period in November last season when Ridley was not with the team while on a non-football illness list. In basketball, the Cleveland Cavaliers will be out will be without first-time All-Star Jared Allen for the foreseeable future because of a broken finger. The center was injured earlier in the game against Toronto, and the team says he's out indefinitely. He is one of the reasons why the Cavs have a surprising record of 37 wins and 27 losses, good for sixth in the Eastern Conference. Cleveland forward Kevin Love says it's time for everybody on the team to fill Allen's void. You know, our mindset has to be that, you know, different guys are going to have to to step up, you know, whether it be Dean Wade, whether it be Lamar, everybody's going to have to do a little bit extra in the time that he is out, myself included, but each and every guy. But again, hopefully we'll have Vert back. Hopefully we'll have Doe back uh, soon enough. So more firepower and more bodies is, is only going to help us. And looking at the weather, fine and dry, moderate, fresh east to northeasterly winds. The outlook, fine and dry for the next couple of days, cool in the morning. Temperature difference between day and night will be large. Human and foggy early during the weekend and early next week. Red fire danger is in, in effect, and the temperature right now is 21 degrees Celsius, relative humidity 34%. And and the news, the top stories once again. Chairman of the NPC hails the strengthening of the constitutional order in Hong Kong. The head of the mainland medical team says the SAR must prioritize helping the most vulnerable COVID patients. And the UN's humanitarian chief pleads for civilians to be given safe passage out of Ukraine's cities. And that's the news from RTHK. Yeah.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. It's Tuesday and it's also International Women's Day today. On the show today after 1.30, my guest on Soundbite is Larry Tang, founder of Loco Pharma Group. Larry is an entrepreneur who ventured into the area of healthy organic food and found himself the proud owner of some great restaurants. So I'm really looking forward to find out which food has a special memory for him as he shares his soundbite with us later. After 2pm, if cooking is not your thing, then I have some tips on how you can overcome those fears and get to grips with your culinary side. 